Hi, everybody. Eric Bailey, Eli Letterman. It's March Madness. It's the week when everyone calls in sick. Everyone's turning channels. Eli, I've already watched two or three games. I saw Furman, as you can see. March Madness Furman. <laughs> I'm a Furman fan now. No, I like I this addition to the podcast. I just love, yeah, we're going to have fun with this thing. My daughter gave it to me for my birthday. <laughs> I just love this time of year because there's so much basketball, so much excitement. Everyone's brackets are already busted. I know West Virginia's lost, messed me up already too. So I'm 0-2 to start the, the March Madness on selection. So, But a fun time of year, except if you're an Oklahoma fan. It just another year, it, it was tough this year. Last year, they were on the brink of making the tournament. This year, not so much. Uh, the women did make the tournament. They start their their path on Saturday. But let's talk about the men first, Eli. You you covered them all season. You saw the highs. You saw plenty of lows. Uh, no NIT invite. Just a tough one and done in Kansas City. Just kind of sum things up. Just wh what did you see out of this team? And is there hope for the future? Well, I tried to call in sick for the podcast today. It was Missouri <laughs> playing, but you wouldn't let me. Uh, but you're right. We, we're now at the end point kind of mercifully with OU men's basketball in 2022-23 because it there were not enough highs, far too many lows, and, and it ended in Kansas City last week. I was there, um, ended with a third bedlam loss, which I think this one almost maybe felt the least bad of them all because it was perhaps expected. I don't think anyone came into that thinking that that would play out any differently. And maybe the fact that it was so predictable and that the gap between the two teams was so stark once again terms of athleticism size I mean perimeter and inside everywhere um it just kind of ended with a thud which is probably the only way this season maybe could end um and now here we are it's an off season where you know Porter Moser did say that night Wednesday night in Kansas City they were open to playing if, if they got an invite somewhere they were going to do it didn't come from the NIT I, I don't think the CBI which is I don't know who wants to go to the CBI but not not OU uh, I, I was told that wasn't really an option so here we are uh Porter Moser's third uh, offseason with the Sooners. He's got a lot of work to do. He's already got a couple of outgoings in the portal. Um, and I, I think it's all building up to be, I, I don't want to say pressure packed. I don't want to say, I don't think hot seat, any of that's fair, but the pressure is going to be on in year three for them to, to show improvement uh, and, and to, you know, really make a more realistic run. I think at, at March Madness, which is where we know they want to be. What do you see out of this uh, in terms of transfer portal? Like you said, a couple of de departures. Is it Schroeder? Is that how you say his name? Yep, Benny Schroeder. Benny Schroeder. Uh, and also C.J. Nolan, who showed uh, yeah. some sparks last year as a player, but really didn't play much this year. Do you see a lot more roster turnover happening? Do you think in the next couple of days we'll see some some shifts on this roster? Yeah, it's, it's curious because there's everybody on the roster but Tanner Groves could come back for next season. And so already – You've got two guys in the portal with, with Benny Schroeder, who's probably the surprise of the two. He didn't play a whole lot as a freshman, but flashed some promise, and Porter Moser spoke highly of him. Uh, but he's headed to the portal after just a year in Norman. And C.J. Nolan, I, I think the writing was on the wall there. I mean, his role went from, from day one starter to bench guy to, to he didn't feature in the final four games of the season. Uh, so it was pretty clear that that was coming. That, I think that's a shame all around for all involved, if you consider – where C.J. Nolan was this time last year. I mean, all Big 12 freshman team uh, was a provided some spark and, and really showed flashes off the bench on a team that just missed out on the tournament a year ago uh, to now this, to, to where he, you know, really just fell out of a role. And, and hopefully it's mutually beneficial. He finds a good landing spot. And for OU now, it's uh, we'll, we'll see the rest of the, 
or the roster. It's really curious that CJ Nolan's the one guy with a circle that said makes sense that that he's going to head out after that. You know, Jacob Groves, I could see him coming back. I could see a guy like him. You know, maybe you drop down and and you spend another year, uh, your final year, somewhere else. Um, maybe you know Grant Sherfield uh, and Joe Bandisil are two guys where you kind of get into the whole transfer waiver deal and second and third time transfers become a whole um, issue. So maybe they're back, but they're going to need to retool. They're going to need to hit in the portal. And I, I think maybe one or two more guys going, couldn't say who um, would help them there. Cause they, they, they do have a lot of work to do. I think in terms of, of building this roster and gearing it more toward big 12 basketball and NCAA tournament run. How big is it keeping those two freshmen and making sure that you don't lose them straight away and really building the foundation Huge. of those two? I think, you know, you can really start getting excited about a young core when you talk about Otego away and Los Susan, who who found their way into the starting lineup and stayed there. And, you know, at times look like freshmen look when they're thrown in, especially in not just the, the nation's toughest conference, but probably one of its oldest. It showed, but the, the foundation's there. There's two really exciting uh, freshmen coming in and Caden Cooper and Jacoby Cole. Um, and and then Luke Northweather, who's the 6'11 big man who uh, redshirted this year. You're talking about five, you know, underclassmen there who could really form a basis. And if you, you know, if you hold on to a guy like Jalen Hill and a Grant Sherfield uh, and so on from there, there's, you can see it. You can start to see the basis. I think around them, you're going to need, you know, and again, another, a couple of hits in the portal, not just bringing guys in, but really making sure that the guys you bring in can contribute from day one. Uh, and, and can really make an impact at the spots where they were lacking this year. That's what it's got to be. But the young core has to be exciting, has to, if you're an OU fan. And that's how Porter Mosier really built his success at Loyola. It was developing young, keeping them in the program for four years, and you saw what, how older teams did. Uh, and I think, like you said, if you can keep those guys together, kind of like a Jalen Hill who's been with the mm-hmm. OU program for four years, I think that's important for what Porter, Porter Mosier wants to do. Let's flip gears and you can see how the foundation, a core like that can really help a program. When you look at the women, uh, you know, the, the OU women are a number five seed. Uh, they play Saturday night against number 12 Portland and uh, Poly Pavilion, UCLA. And their core group, Maddie Williams, Anna Lunusa, and um, Taylor Robertson played plenty of ball at Oklahoma, five and six year players. And you're seeing the fruits of that when you see them playing in an NCAA tournament. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what happens with this team, too. You had a chance in Kansas City to see them play. Uh, I don't think they're 100% healthy right now, but they're really trying to make the fighting through some pain. Lanusa had an ankle issue in Kansas City. Maddie Williams in the regular season finale was injured, looked like an apparent knee injury, and she's playing through a little bit of pain. But Jeannie Baranchek says they're giving it all. They want to play. They want to finish their seasons, their careers at Oklahoma in the right way, and it seems like they're going to give it their all as they prepare for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was really fun watching some great basketball on the women's side in Kansas City last week. And OU had one of those big finishes against TCU. Skyler Van, uh, the last minute finish that, that brought them to, to semifinals. They they fell to, to Iowa State, an Iowa State team that when they're hitting, especially you know, they call Kansas City uh, Ames, Ames South because the, the home crowd there for the Cyclones is real. And then you felt that. Um, but now OU, I mean, look, they're a five seed. Is, is that exactly where they were last year? Were they a four? They seed? were a four seed. They they hosted no. They're in that uh, four five game. game. They were the four five if, game. If they, yeah. So they might be headed kind of into that same place. They line up with UCLA if they were to advance. But that is the big thing you mentioned that, that trio: Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, Ana Lanusa. 
two of those, Maddie Williams and, and Anna, they both they're dealing with something. Uh, Maddie Williams, you mentioned, had that injury against Oklahoma State to close the season. She played both games in Kansas City, and, and the second of those against Iowa State really looked more like herself, but clearly playing through something. And then Anna Lanusa, it was it was pregame there before Iowa State that she went down with an injury and shoot, watching her walk off the court or actually be helped off the court in tears. You were thinking that OU had just lost her again. Uh, she's obviously got her injury history, but she came back, she played, and, and now those are the two things they're going to manage. And and I do really think that you know the length of their trip through this tournament probably goes you know hinges on whether it's the health of those two or really their ability to play through whatever it is they've got. And, and I think. Uh, for what it's worth, Jenny Bronchick is, is pretty confident in their mental toughness on that front and their ability to play through it. But I, I think that's going to be pretty important to watch. Sooners, 8 o'clock Saturday night against Portland. They'll play, if they advance, they'll play the winner UCLA and Sacramento State on Monday night. Uh, and then likely whoever emerges from UCLA, they got a meeting with South Carolina, which <laughs> number one. I don't know who wants that. I don't know. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Hey, that's why they play the game. We see a lot of upsets as Furman showed us. Anything can happen in March Madness. So we'll see what happens. Well, on the I'll ask you this, Eric. This might be a better question for after OU's run ends, whenever it does end. But when you think about two years in with Jenny Baranchek, two straight tournament appearances. I mean, this time they're not going to host, but they were right there for it. Remaining atop, you know, the Big 12 programs. Where do you feel like they are now two years in? Two years in there. I tell you, to be honest, they're a lot further along than I really ever considered. You know, when she took the job, this program was hurting so much. I didn't know if they 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 might get into the tournament. I think just getting to the tournament would have been a big deal this year. I don't think they I didn't think they were going to make it last year at the beginning. But as soon as Jenny started turning that program around as rapidly as she did, I think it's it's been incredible how many games she's won at Oklahoma and how she's really turned it around. Now the key is to see how she continues that with really a new cast when she loses these three seniors this year, what's going to happen next year? I mean, she has a really good core. Like you said, Skylar Mann, she's just a special, special player. Nevaeh Tott is a really strong point guard. Um, you got Aubrey Jones, who is a really nice three-point shooter. Will she be able to kind of take over that role that Taylor Robinson's left? The key with them is finding more steady players inside. There's only one Maddie Williams, but if you can find some kind of dynamic player like Maddie Williams again, that's perfect. So I'm kind of curious to see where this program goes after this year. But to be honest, for her to really take over and really gain the confidence uh, of her players and the, the trust factor between those two so quick and to see the success on the floor, really impressive with the job. Joe Castiglione, you talk about home run hires. This really was a home run hire for the women's program. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, who knows what it looks like. You're right, the future beyond. Maddie Williams and Taylor Robertson and, and the squad they have now is is not clear, but I think you'd have to have a lot of confidence in, in what Jenny Baranchik has done and hoping that she can carry that over into what will be kind of a new era for the program, but all signs point to that going well with, with the way they've been. Eric, little little softball, baseball, diamond sports this weekend here in the, I guess, the Norman area. It won't just be in Norman. Yeah, and, and some of those games, because of weather, have already been changed around. I know Sunday's games have got to push back hours. This is going to be in the 40s on Sunday, and they're going to play yeah. something on the 40s. Yeah, this is this is far from June sweat weather. This is, you know, see your breath weather when they're out there playing. But this Oklahoma team continues to be hot on the softball diamond. We had a chance to see them play Florida State on Tuesday, uh, you know, and, and they just showed how strong they are. I mean, Alex Duraco got the start. 
struggled really. I say struggled. She gave up four runs against the number six team of the country, which you know that that's no crime. They, she played a real. She threw against a really good offense, so you can't say oh she had a bad outing. This was a good team they played. But you know, Starocko's been. I think she entered with a zero point two four ERA. Uh, gave up four runs, but again. All due respect, credit goes to Florida State. But then Jordy Ball comes in and sees nine batters with six strikeouts. She struck out six in a row. And Jordy Ball has really had a roller coaster season highs, lows, highs, lows. And she had the highest of the high against Florida State. She really dominated in the circle uh, to get the save against the Seminoles. I was impressed with the way they played. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Patty Gasso afterwards. And Patty said that, you know, this game. Win or lose, it was no big deal. It's March. It doesn't matter. You want to be playing your best softball in June. But in March for this game, a home game, Oklahoma rarely gets a top 10 opponent at home. And this just worked out. The Seminoles were in Oklahoma State for a three-game series, called her and said, hey, can we stop by and play a game? And open arms. Patty said, come play. And I think it was good for both programs just to see that kind of competition and for Oklahoma to be challenged. We just haven't seen that a lot recently. So it was a good game. It was a cold night again. Uh, really, you know, the, the the heavy jackets were out across the board, but I think everyone enjoyed seeing that game. And then this weekend, what, they've got a, a host of games here at Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City uh, and and just more opportunities. I'm, I'm really excited. I'll be there to see the pitching mm -hmm. and just the, the depth of pitching they've got because I think, you know, even last year's team probably didn't have the depth yeah. that we're looking at here for OU. And, and I think that makes a team that is already dangerous and some might even argue unbeatable even more scary, especially when you get into that kind of tournament style play come, come May and June. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because you can really go to the hot hand. I mean, it, it comes to the deal where, you know, last year, you know, you see Jordy Ball uh, hurting a little bit, and then you can go to the bench, bring out a Hope Trout line who comes in and just dominates in the College World Series. So I think that's the good thing for Patty Gasso is she has three arms and Nicole May, we don't talk enough about Nicole May, who still yeah. has not given up an earned run all year. 43 innings, I think, no earned runs. And then you got Starocko, who's been dominating against UCLA and got the win against Florida State. And then you got Jordy Ball, last year's one of the last year's pitchers of the year. And on top of all that, you got a lefty and Kirsten Deal, who's a freshman who's learning from these other three pitchers. It, you're, it's just going in with matchups. It's, you know, what, what pitcher has the best matchup for whatever opponent. So I think you're going to see some really good softball this weekend at Hall of Fame Stadium. And uh, it, it, this is the last tournament before Big 12 play. Big 12 play starts the next week, and Oklahoma is going to try to roll in and have some momentum going into conference play. Uh, let, let, let's shift gears and, you know, Diamond Sports Baseball, uh, Eli. Yeah. This week, I know they, they, they hit a speed bump at Wichita State this week, but for the most part, they've been playing really, really outstanding, outstanding ball. And I know you had a chance to talk to the, guy, the guys down there this afternoon. Yeah, I was uh, earlier today. I was in Norman at Eldale Mitchell talking to Skip Johnson and Co. And and yeah, you know, you, you mentioned how Patty said the result in a midweek game in March only means so much. I mean, that's how Skip Johnson kind of chalked up that loss at Wichita State the other night. Is you know they've been traveling, they're a bit banged up, but on the whole, the Sooners are rolling. They had that tough start. They were two and four, and since then, the offense has finally woken up. Maybe the weather's warmed up. That helps a bit too. Uh, but they're they're hitting the ball. They're getting what they need from the pitching, and and they're they're rolling about as well as I think you could hope for going into this weekend. They they open Big Twelve play with you know TCU last year, uh, a team that you know they, this this is one and two in the Big Twelve, and this is uh, a tenth ranked Horn Frogs team that that is probably going to be uh, in that conversation again. And if the Sooners hope to be there, these are the kinds of teams they've got to beat. Uh, so they're not starting easy, but uh, this is that time of year I think that Skip Johnson looks forward to where. We get away from February. I know we're, it's mid-March, but we're getting – once Big 12 play hits, uh, 
you snap and and that postseason baseball is here. And those typically tend to be when Skip Johnson teams wake up. So uh, they're trudging along. They're they're playing some good baseball. And I'll, I'll be really curious about this matchup this weekend. Finally, uh, it's going to be here next week. This time next week, we'll be talking football. Uh, practice begins next week. And I think ne late next week, we'll have a chance to see the team in person with their own eyes. Uh, first practices of spring. And uh, before we talk about this spring team, was it Monday night? I was in bed early. Uh, you know, just, I don't even know if I was in bed early. It may be just a regular time, but 11.15, 11.20, social media hits, and I was lucky you were awake. You saw it. Kevin Sperry, quarterback, 2025 class, says, I'm going to Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma doesn't have a 24 commit yet, but here they are starting with 25. Uh, first of all, tell me your surprise. Uh, what was your night like when you see uh, see that pop on, the, on, on uh, social media? I mean, I was riding the Oscars high. So Monday night, I was actually taking in my, it was my second watch of everything, uh, everywhere all at once. I'd seen it in theaters. So let me, let me go back to it. And I was in the final 40 minutes, like the, the part of the movie where it was really getting jacked up and there's a commit and I'm in front of my computer till about, you know, a little after midnight writing about this, but it, it is exciting for OU. I mean, you, you said it, they don't have a commit yet for 2024, but they've got their quarterback in 2025. Um, and it's Kevin Sperry, who is, he's from Prosper, Texas. He's, they don't even have really rankings out uh, on the 25 class. So we can't even tell you if he's a four-star or five-star or whatever, or, or where he ranked in the class, but really highly regarded. Uh, and and we, we know this now more than ever in this kind of transfer portal era, you need a quarterback in every class. You just do. And so for the Sooners to secure someone who's considered among the best in his class this early, that, that's got to be a win. Um, you're, you're talking about, you know, 2025, that's when the Sooners will be in the SEC. Uh, I think the recruiting importance only heightens there. Uh, and so this is big. And one interesting factor, 2023, you got uh, Jackson Arnold from Denton Geyer. 2025, you've got Kevin Sperry from Prosper. And Michael Hawkins is the one to watch for next month. He's the 2024 quarterback. They've been recruiting heavily apparently he's choosing between OU and TCU and if they were to get him that's three straight uh recruiting classes that they'll have a, a quarterback from that DFW Metroplex in the class and uh and I, I think all that has to be encouraging if you're looking at, at how Brent Venables and, and them are recruiting. Fertile ground it always has been and it continues to be fertile ground for the Sooners and I will say this Monday night the last thing I watched on TV Monday night was uh Jimmy Kimmel uh, watching Guillermo do shots on the red carpet from the night before. <laughs> so I think I made it to 11 o'clock that night because I wanted to see Guillermo uh, with doing tequila shots with tons of movie stars. So, yeah, so you talk about Oscar high. Uh, yeah, that was my Oscar high, was watching Jimmy Kimmel the night after. So um, when we go into uh, spring football, I, a lot of question marks, whatever, you know, and we'll have a lot more information next week. But I think this is an important spring for the Sooners just to see where they've made – progress from this time last year to this time this year. I think the roster, the, the returners, they understand what's expecting of them. They know the defense better. They know the offense better. You have a, a Dylan Gabriel back at quarterback. That's going to be big because he's going to, you know, everyone knows what he can do. You have Jackson Arnold, who is going to digest everything that's thrown his way. And I think that's important for the offense. Uh, you know, my question marks for the offense is the offensive line. What are they going to do? You know, I don't think we'll know exactly until really 
game one how Bill Beatonville is going to line that offensive lineup because he always takes the best five and throws them out there. So, but I think we'll get an idea of what's going to happen there. Uh, And running backs, who's going to be the running back, Uh, you know, wide receiver, who's going to step up. Kind of question marks on offense. Uh, But I'm looking forward to just seeing some ball played. And defensively, you know, we'll see safety. I want to see how that secondary plays, Eli. That's the big thing is, you know, Brent Venables. What was the quote? Um, We didn't lose. We we didn't lose. There was a quote, and I have to look it up, that just surprised me what he said about the the secondary, talking about losing the experience or losing bodies. And it was a unique quote. I'll look that up. Tell me your thoughts going into spring football. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll stall for you here a little bit. I mean, on the defense, I'm intrigued because I I think we came into last spring looking at the guys they had added kind of in a short time. I mean, think back to when Brent Venables arrived. We've we've done this a million times, but the chaos, the, the the roster turnover, and they were just adding guys in the portal. And on the whole, you know, there, there were guys that pre-spring camp last year that we were talking about with some excitement, with some expectation, who who didn't even feature. Um, and, and I think this year we're in a similar spot of they've added a lot in the portal, but I think this time around, and they will be proven wrong again, but I think this time around they've really brought competition uh, at every level of the defense, at least on the defensive line and the secondary. We've, we've gone over how much they've added up front um, to, to go with guys, you know, on the ends like Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs. We've got some serious pass rushers brought in. You have interior guys, Jacob Lacey and Devon Sears are going to be really intriguing to, to kind of mix in with what they've got. And then the secondary, you know, yes, you, you're bringing back guys like Billy Bowman uh, and Key Lawrence and Woody Washington, but then you have your Reggie Pearsons, you have Kendall Dolby. Peyton Bowen, uh, you know, I don't want to get anyone to get ahead of themselves there. He, he is a freshman, but uh, I, I think there's going to be some real competition within that defense. And I think that's going to be really fun. I think we're going to hear a lot about that. I think you'll hear from those position coaches that there's some serious depth chart competition. And I think for a team that so often last year, I think was thin on defense, or we heard it from the staff that they felt like they kind of had, they had the guys they had up front, but that maybe they didn't have the, the two two second and third spots on the depth chart where they could rotate in and out throughout the season. And we saw a defense that got tired. I, I think they maybe have that this year. You know, you talk about Peyton Bowen. I think you're right. Everyone needs to be careful about their expectations because he is a freshman. He's going to have so much thrown at him. But when you see his talent, just his raw ability and what he did at high school, there, there's reason if you're an Oklahoma fan to be excited too. But you got to make sure that it's kind of a tempered, excitement because everything's going to come with a growing process. I mean, there's going to be, he's going to make mistakes. And, uh, but I think the coaches are excited about his potential. The quote about safety that Brent Venable said last February during our media day, talking about the safety position was, uh, we lost a bunch of guys. And I think we know that we didn't lose a lot of production in the secondary, but we lost a bunch, we lost a bunch of bodies. That was the quote. So we didn't lose a lot of production. We lost, and that kind of, you know, read between the lines there, take it as you will. But I think, that's the key. I think it's going to be open season at that position. People are going to be able to go in there and make plays, and they're going to need some people to make plays. So uh, looking forward to it. I know we're going to have an opportunity more than likely to, to get to see 30, 45 minutes of the first practice, and uh, that'll be exciting too because that's always a good time. I mean, just to see Jackson Arnold spin the football, see some of these guys, these coaches, even these coaches. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the coaches out on the field, seeing a wide receivers coach. Give me a name. Give me a name. Emmett Jones, come Emma on, Emmett Jones, I couldn't think of Emmett's name. Gosh, I guess it's spring camp for all of us, right? I know, Emma I couldn't think of Emmett's name, Four. yeah. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. We haven't had a chance to talk to him. I think we'll get a chance next week to talk to him, too. I'm looking forward to, to really finding his style and 
it's unique. Even though you don't have a Texas Tech head coach like Lincoln Riley or those Texas 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 Tech ties, they still found a way to get a Texas Tech former Texas Tech coach on the staff this year. And uh, and Bill Beatonville, he was yeah. So there's some Texas Tech ties still. Uh, OU Texas Tech, when we see that Reggie Pearson coming along too. So, all right, anything else to add? Anything you can think of? Eli? No, I think I think this time next week we're going to be knee deep in football, which is exciting. It means we're going to have a lot to talk about on here. Since we hopped on, Missouri Tigers closed out their their round <laughs> one win over Utah State. Miz, hope folks at Harpo's are having a good night. And uh, Eric will be back next week. And and thank you all for listening. Eric, where can we be found? We can be found on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We're going to be on there. And also, TulsaWorld.com. Our podcasts are on all the all our homepages. A lot of times they're attached to all our stories. So please take time. Like like our – we never say this. Please like what we do. Uh, we do this every week, and it's, it's a fun time.